Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we continue our study in the Gospel according to John. We're in John chapter 20 with guest speaker Tom West and his message, The Risen Lord. Good morning and welcome to Hollyview Church. This is the first time I've even stood on this platform. <laughs> so this is a completely different thing for me. And I just want to remind you this morning that this is a crazy, mixed-up place. And if you don't already know that, you must be really new. Because last week Jesus died, and next week he's going to be born. So we've kind of gotten things all fouled up. But, and so today we're going to have him raised from the dead. So, and then the other thing that's crazy and mixed up is that Joel asked me to preach this morning, and I opened my mouth to say no, and some other words came out, and I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I guess I didn't say no, and here I am. So, Joel said four weeks ago, he kind of set up this message this morning four weeks ago, and I want to see if you remember what he said. He said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Some people were paying attention. And today, as we're going through the Gospel of John, today is Sunday. The greatest day in the history of the world. Jesus actually rose from the dead. So I want to just remind you what happened on Friday. On Friday, Jesus was arrested. He was tried, convicted. He was mocked and scourged. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He was crucified. He died, and he was buried. It was a busy day. And most of his friends left him. And all hope was gone. This man that they had trusted and believed in, he was their leader, and he was dead. And all hope was gone. Then what happened on Saturday? We don't often talk about this, but on Saturday, Jesus was dead. He was behind a stone in a cold, dark tomb. And I think that's as great a miracle as the resurrection. Because Jesus, the author of life, the creator of life and all other things, was dead. Can you imagine that? John says in the beginning of his gospel, in chapter 1, verse 1, 
He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then it says, all things were made by him, and nothing was made that wasn't made by him. And then in verse 4, he said, in him was life, and he was dead. That, to me, is amazing, that the creator of life was dead. Then on Friday, I I mean on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, and hope was restored. I'd like to start this morning by reading from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, and it will be on the screen. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus, excuse me, would you stand as I read? This is the Holy Holy Bible. And Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. When we're done this morning, I would like you to know two things, and even... Even I can remember two things. Number one, the reason that John wrote this book, in fact, the reason the whole Bible was written, is so that you would know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's the first thing to know today. The second thing is to know that you have eternal life. And if you don't have eternal life at this moment, It's being offered to you today. And I urge you, if you haven't taken Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. And we would have open ears and eyes to see and hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, John said he wrote this book for these two purposes, that you would know that Jesus is the Christ, that you would believe that. Now, if you're like me, you need proof. If you're going to believe something, you need proof. And so John put proof into his gospel. And I'd like to just remind you of four of those things. First of all, Jesus fed 5,000 men, and we have to assume that there were women and children there too. And he took a small boy's lunch. I don't know if that's a small boy's lunch or if the lunch was small. But either way, he had a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And so as he handed out the bread and fish to his disciples to feed this crowd, Jesus was creating food 
to be served. And only God can do that. Only God can create. The second proof is that Jesus walked on water. And I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I've tried. I can't even hardly tread water, but I can't walk on it. Only God can do that. And then a third thing is Jesus healed a man born blind, and he didn't use modern medicine or technology, which might be possible today, but Jesus just said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he believed Jesus was powerful enough to heal him, so he went and washed in the, in the pool. There was nothing special about that water, but he believed in Jesus, and he came back seeing. And the fourth one that I'd like you to, to remind you of is that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you imagine just walking up to someone's tomb? He's been dead for four days. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walks out of the grave. Only God can do that. And there's two more proofs that we're going to get to today in John chapter 20, that Jesus is the Christ, and he can do what he said he was going to do. And that was give them life. So two proofs today. First is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And second is changed lives. So we're going to meet two people today that, whose lives were drastically changed. Mary Magdalene, first of all, and then Thomas. So let's read chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So here we have Mary Magdalene. She comes to the tomb early in the morning at the first possible opportunity, and she is going to pay her final respects to this man that she loved. He had cast seven demons out of this woman and changed her life completely. She was her, he was her Lord and master and friend and teacher. And she comes to the tomb, and he's not there. He's not there. Can you imagine 
I thought about this. thought about going to the um, funeral home. Maybe a loved one has died. And you go in there and say, he's gone. Where is he? And that's, and that's what Mary Magdalene was. She, was. she was upset. She was probably confused. She wanted to pay her last respects to this man. And he's gone. There's a couple of things I'd like you to notice. First of all, the grave clothes. They're lying there basically undisturbed. So no one stole the body because the grave clothes would have had to have been ripped or cut. They would have been a mess. But it says they're neatly lying there. Jesus rose through those grave clothes. They were undisturbed. Secondly, I'd like you to notice these crazy disciples. John, it says that John saw and believed, but then they went home. That strikes me as strange. It, they should have formed a search party or something, but they just went home. But then verse 11 says this, but Mary stood outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary must have been feeling very strong that day because Jesus was probably a healthy 33-year-old man, probably 180 pounds, and he was wrapped in 75 to 100 pounds of grave clothes and spices and aloes, and he was basically in, mummified. So she would have had to carry 250 to 300 pounds away. She was feeling good that day. Tough job. I'm not sure why Mary didn't recognize Jesus. There's a lot of speculation, but I just look at the Bible and say, what makes sense? So this makes sense to me. She was discouraged. She was probably angry and confused, and she was bitter. Someone took her Lord away, and she was crying, and she was probably looking down at the ground because she was so discouraged. Her eyes were full of tears. She didn't recognize his voice, and she didn't recognize him. But she was probably looking down at his knees and his feet. Could have been anybody. Could have been the gardener. She was bitter, and she didn't recognize 
the Lord. But then verse 16 comes. And Jesus said to her, uh, excuse me. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus called her by name. And in my Bible, beside the word Mary, I wrote, wow. This is, to me, this is one of the most fantastic words in all of the Bible. Her name. He knew her name and called her by name. She was important to him. There's a little verse in Psalm 147 verse 4 that says this, he counts the number of the stars and he calls them all by name. Can you imagine a God that's so big that he can create stars, but then he cares enough to name them all? Can you imagine the vocabulary that he had to have just to think of names for trillions of stars? That, that's incredible to me. But he knows my name, too. In John 10, it says, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, I know my sheep, and I call them all by name. He called Mary by name. Matthew 28 tells us that at this point, Mary fell to her knees and worshipped Jesus. And I have this picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus, grabbing onto his ankles, in, a, in essence saying, you got away one time, but you're not getting away this time. She was holding on for dear life, never to lose this man again. And in that one word, Mary, she recognized Jesus because he said it in a way that only he can say, with love and concern. Now, I looked up the word Mary to see what it meant. It's interesting how it fits in so well with this message this morning. I don't know how many people here are named Mary, but the first definition of Mary is bitter. Thanks a lot. It's bitter. This was a bitter woman. Someone stole her Lord. The second meaning of Mary is beloved. How well does that fit? Jesus loved this woman, and she went from bitter to beloved in one word. Drastically changed her life. Has Jesus ever called your name? I can remember when Jesus called my name. I was nine years old, and it was a Wednesday night. We actually went to Wednesday night church back in the day. Does anybody remember Wednesday night church? Yeah, a few. I didn't have a choice. My dad was the pastor. <laughs> but that particular day, I felt he was talking just to me. Just to me. He was calling my name. When I got home, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want 
what you were talking about. I want that eternal life. I want to be a child of God. He told me how to do that. And I did that the very night. I asked Jesus into my heart and my life. And I was drastically changed. And I didn't even know it because I was a little kid. But I was transferred from the kingdom of darkness run by Satan to the kingdom of light run by Jesus. And that can happen to you this very day. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I think that's probably an understatement. They were probably, whoa, what's going on? Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The thing I want you to notice here is that Jesus called his disciples his brothers. He'd never used that term before. He had called them servants in the beginning. And then in John 15, 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. At that point, he had elevated them from servants to friends. And now he calls them brothers. Sons of God, joint heirs with Christ. And the reason for that is because now Jesus had died and rose again. Their sins were forgiven, and they could be children of God, which he gave them the right to be. So the crucifixion and death of Jesus were the payment for your sins and my sins. The resurrection and life of Jesus are the proof that that payment was satisfactory to God. So Jesus was risen from the dead because of your justification, according to Romans 4.25. So he gave us the right to be children of God, brothers with Christ. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is where Thomas gets his nickname, Doubting Thomas. And maybe it's just because my name is Thomas that I don't like this. (laughs) You know, we give people the right to move on. We don't call Matthew, Matthew the tax collector. He's just Matthew. And we don't call Peter, Peter the denier. He's just Peter. But Thomas, for some reason has to stick with this name. But he didn't stay there. He he did not stay there. You know, he went from doubting, disbelieving Thomas to absolute certainty. Now, I don't know why he wasn't there the first time. It was suggested on Tuesday that maybe it was his turn to go go get the groceries. But he wasn't there the first time Jesus came. And the disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. And he, in essence, says, I don't care what you say. I don't care what Mary says. I have to have proof. I have to stick my fingers into the nail prints. And I have to put my hand into his side, or I will never believe. But then Jesus shows up. And he meets Thomas exactly where he needs to be met. And he calls him by name. And he says, Thomas, reach here your finger and put it into my nail prints. And reach here your hand and stick it into my side. That must have been a big hole from that spear where Thomas thought he could stick his whole hand in there. But Jesus met him right where he was. And Thomas gave one of the clearest statements of the deity of Christ that we find anywhere in the Bible. He no longer doubted. He moved on. He was was doubting Thomas, and his life was completely changed to absolute certain Thomas. He said, my Lord and my God. He said to him, my Lord. The word there is curios. It means master or Lord. And in that moment, he was elevating Christ to the highest position, and he was humbling himself to be his servant. Can you see that? You're my master. I'm your servant. And then he said, and my God. And the word there is theos, and that's the very name of the one true God. One of the clearest statements of the deity of Christ anywhere made by a doubter, made by an unbelieving doubter, radically changed because he met the risen Christ. Verse 29 says, Jesus, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet believe. That's us. That's us. We can't see Jesus. We can't stick our fingers into the nail prints. But we can believe. John gave us proof. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said that Jesus showed himself after he rose from the dead to more than 500 brethren at one time. And he said, if you don't believe me, ask them. They know. They can tell you. There was plenty of proof that Jesus rose from the dead. He is the Christ, and we can have life in his name. John eleven thirty five, Jesus was talking to, excuse me, 25. Jesus was talking to Martha, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Eternal life is waiting for you today. And if you're one of us who sits here frequently and we forget the wonder and the power of the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the very gospel, think of this verse. Paul said again in, verse, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he said, if Christ be not raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sin. If Christ be not raised, nothing changes. But three verses later, Paul said this in verse 20. He said, but now Christ has been raised. Praise God. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that it would be powerful in our lives, that you would change us, that you would make us more like Christ. Father, even today, if someone is here that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, that you would give them the courage to speak to someone about it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.